Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi an amazing place to live, work, and uh, and play. Today is Election Day. We're going to come back to that in just a second. I want to share something that was uh, posted by a friend of mine. His name is Mike Seal, and here's what he posted. This happened yesterday and is important information for our our age group over 65. A friend had a second dose of the vaccine at the vaccination center, after which he began to have blurred vision on the way home. When he got home, he called the vaccination center for advice and to ask if he should go see a doctor or be hospitalized. He was not told to go to a doctor or to go to the hospital, but just to return to vaccination center immediately and pick up his glasses. <laughs> I was caught. I, I thought I was about to get a great piece of information, and then I realized it's just kind of a, a funny joke. So I thought that was pretty funny. Hey, listen, uh, it's General Election Day. The Secretary of State's office says that polling places will be open today from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. tonight. So make your vote count. Um, here's a here's a really important quote from John Quincy Adams. It says this: "Always vote for principle. Though you may all may you vote alone, you will always cherish the the sweetest reflection that your vote is never lost. Uh, make your vote count. That's at the end of the day. That's what we need to do. So, there's a non-binding referendum that's being voted on today in in uh, Diamond Head. It, it's about consolidating two major departments in the city." Uh, essentially, the fire district and the water sewage, water and sewage district, would be uh, would be consolidated into the city operations. Is what this referendum is all about, and we're going to talk more about it. It's a lot of conversation been about this over the last several months, and um, I have a disclaimer: it's, it's election day. You wouldn't normally have a conversation like this on election day. So, if this were a political candidate, for sure, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But in this case, uh, the fire district and the water and sewers district asked for this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and we weren't able to fit them in. On until today, just the, today was the first day, available date. And I should point out that the mayor of Diamond Head nor the city manager, neither one have requested that they join me on Coast View. So it's, uh, it is just the way it is. And uh, we're going to have a conversation today with uh, John Kirschenbaum, who's the chairman of the Board of Commissioners for the Diamond Head Water and Sewage District, and Mike Munger, the chief of the uh, Diamond Head Fire District. So without any further ado, let me just welcome you both to Coast View. How are you doing? today. Great. Good morning. So we're going to go through, well, what I really want to do is kind of frame the issue a little bit, and then we'll come back to some of the details. And um, But I, what I'd like to learn more about, and get, since we, we have a long format opportunity here, uh, John, I want to get you to tell more about the Diamond Head Water and Sewage District. And then, Mike, I want to also you know, sort of tell your story. You know, Where did you come from, and what is the Diamond Head Fire District? And we'll, we'll, we'll cover all that here shortly. And in a nutshell, John, why don't you kind of tell us what this non-binding referendum is all about? Yes, sir. And we appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, <clears throat> on March 26th, uh, the city council uh, held a special called meeting at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon to add these two separate referendums, one for the water and sewer and one for the fire department. 
And we were completely taken aback and, and surprised. Um, there had been no conversations with either of the entities in the city. Um, and so it baffled us. These are two very critical uh, services that are provided and they're 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 day a year services. And for something that critical to just be haphazardly thrown onto a ballot at the last minute, uh, just felt like a, a, a complete governmental overreach and, and, and it was politically motivated. And, and there's just no uh, reason that politics should be involved in services as critical as clean, safe drinking water. Uh, disposal and treatment of your uh, of your sewage, and for God's sake, the, the the fire department. I mean, this is just not a good place for politics to be making decisions. So, so what's your take on sort of? We're, we'll come back and understand more deeply what this means. But Mike, why don't you kind of give the headline from your perspective? It, uh, exactly like like John said, we were really surprised. Um, there'd been talk early on you know, three or four years ago of maybe continuing a discussion. But then at, at the last minute, without any real talks, without any plan, just at the last minute, the, the city council th throws in this ballot referendum. And, and even the wording of it, you know, they keep saying that this is just a way for the public to share their voice and to get a feel for how people think about it, but the way the, it is worded on the ballot says, do you favor consolidation? That's that's a pretty black and white. That's not, hey, are you open to discussions about it? So it, even that, that doesn't feel right. So we're going to, we'll come back and get into some of the details as it relates to all of this. But why don't we start, John, why don't you, first of all, tell us about the history of the Diamond Head Water and Sewage District. Yes, sir. Uh, that's a great topic. Um, Diamond Head Water and Sewer was not originally a public entity like it is now. It was originally built to service a neighborhood. Uh, Purcell, the developer of Diamond Head, uh, had to lay the pipe and, and create what is now the Water and Sewer District. And as they were selling homes all over the place, uh, they were having to lay pipe in the ground to get to different phases, different areas. And since it's it was private at the time, they, they used some, some substandard thin wall PVC pipes and clay pipes. Nothing illegal, but definitely not what we use in today's day and times. And not even the best materials that were available 50 years ago. And so what we've come up against is that the pipes in the ground are 50 years old and at the end of their life cycle. So we're at a very critical point where we're about to embark on a unbelievably aggressive capital improvement plan. And we're going to spend over $21 million in the next five years to address these issues. Um, Purcell, when they went bankrupt in 87, the local POA took over the operations of the water and sewer district for a couple of years. And, uh, and you can imagine how well that went. And at that time in 1989 is when legislative action was taken in Jackson to create the public entity that is now the Diamond Head Water and Sewer uh, District. And we've been operating as a public entity ever since. 
So if you, you go back in time, you, it, it's always interesting to sort of understand the impact of, of a community, on a community of growth and how popular a community has been. So Diamond Head's early story is of, of, a, of a community that, that really ex- exploded. Then after Katrina, there's sort of this other you know, explosion. And then, you know, more recently, even with the pandemic, you're seeing a lot of people from Louisiana that's, that's interested in that area. What, what, as you look at sort of where Diamond Head is today in terms of growth opportunity, in terms of the, the demand for that community, how, how do you characterize it? I would uh, quite simply call it right now, we're seeing hyper growth. I mean, we uh, uh, we have hundreds upon hundreds of houses being built right now by, by a couple of different developers and by individuals. Um, on a typical market, you know, there's a little over 4,000 homes here in Diamond Head. And in a typical market, you'd see about 10% of those for sale. You would, you would have, you know, 400 roughly homes in a typical market. Right now, I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 houses available. It's uh, in- incredible growth we're seeing right now, and, and a beautiful community. It's it, it, it's a horrible thing that it has been divided so harshly and violently during this last nine weeks in which we've had to address these issues. So, so while it's a great place, and we want to continue to see that growth and can continue to see this thrive as it is. Uh, we have to do some things to to make sure we're prepared. I mean, we have to develop a system that that not only continues to serve the people that have been here for many years, but but make sure that we can serve the new growth that's coming in as we speak. So, John, how long have you been there? I've lived here about 13 years, and I've served on the board for three, two of those as the chairman. Well, that's good. That's that's interesting. You know, if I look back in the history of Diamond Head, there's always it seems like there's always some conflict somewhere. And now that might be because a lot of smart people go there and have a lot of experience and they want to be engaged in the community. And anytime you get a, a community where a lot of educated folks, and a lot of experienced folks in business and whatever, they tend to have their own point of view about the way things are going. So the way that I would see it is that it's really democracy in action. You know, that, you know, democracy is not always the most pleasant thing in the world, but you get, you're hearing people's voices and naturally conflict will be, could be part of that. But, uh, but diamond has always been a very dynamic, community in that regard. As you look back, John, do you see it that way as well? Yes, sir. We do uh, see see a lot of controversy. You know, the, the city versus the POA has been around for a long time. Uh, the city is almost 10 years old now, so that's that's been a highly contested debate over and over. Uh, you, you bring in the idea of consolidation, and that's that's been a very heated topic as of recent. Um, so, so yeah, there there seems to be some controversy, but for the overall, the community is a uh, is a tremendous place, and you're exactly right. We have a lot of smart people that live here. Um, let's do this. Let's do this. We're we're coming to the end of this segment. We've got John Kirschenbaum, who's the chairman of the board of commissioners for Diamond Head Water and Sewage District, and Mike Munger, who's the chief of Diamond Head Fire District, and we're talking about a non-binding referendum that is on the ballot today. And uh, we'll continue the conversation when we come back from break.
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, as I mentioned it during the first segment, we would not normally talk about an issue that's on a ballot the day of the election. Um, and this case is not a candidate. It's a it's a non-binding referendum uh, having to do with the fire district and the water and sewer district, two separate two separate referendums regarding consolidating those into the city. And um, uh, in this case, John Kirschenbaum and uh, uh, Chief Mike Munger had made a request like a couple of weeks ago, over a couple of weeks ago. And this was like the only first available time that we could have this conversation. And I should point out that the mayor nor the city manager made a similar request. So we certainly would have granted their opportunity to come on and talk to us if, if they had made that request. Um, if this had been a candidate, we would not be having this conversation, but it is really it's a non-binding, couple of non-binding referendums that the community is very passionate about, and uh, we wanted to grant this opportunity for them because they made the request, and that's why we're talking about it today. Hey, we went to break. John Kirschenbaum was talking about the evolution of the uh, water and sewage district and uh, the way that it has sort of reached to this point where uh, first of all, he, he he referred to the the growth that is taking place in Diamond at the day as being really on, you know a nuclear growth. Now, I don't know the exact word that you use, but the pressures on the water and sewage district are significant. Not only to sort of facilitate future growth, but also the kind of infrastructure improvements that need to be made because a lot of the a lot of the infrastructure just needs to be updated and upgraded and so on. So a lot there's a lot there. Anything you want to add, John? Before I move over. To to Mike? Uh, no, you pretty much covered it. The, the, the key there is the, the critical nature of the, of the capital improvement plan that we have to undertake. We have over 180 miles of pipe in the ground, 90 miles of sewer pipe and 90 miles of water pipe. And at the end of its useful life, we've got to start attacking these, these areas that, that we're seeing multiple breaks in. And, and in addition, We've had some, some pressure and flow issues that have been highlighted and brought to our attention over the last year. And so we had to jump into immediate action to figure out how to fix those. And, uh, and unfortunately, the, the fix is we're going to have to install a new second water tower. Uh, the engineering on that is already in place. We hope to break ground before the end of the year because it's so important. Um, so with that history and, and, and we sized the water tower, we knew we had to have a water tower in order to fix some of the issues we have right now. But uh, in, in looking forward, the city has an Envision 2040 plan that has a 20-year plan of what we envision uh, the community becoming. And so we, we've created this water tower to where it's going to take us all the way through that 2040 plan. So, so we've got a plan in place. It's working and we need to, we need to be left alone and allowed to do it. Okay, so let's turn over to you, Mike Munger, the chief of the Diamond Head Fire District. So let's start. Mike, where do you come from? How long have you been in Diamond Head? So I've actually lived here 40 years. Uh, my dad was Navy, came down in uh, 1980. So I've lived here most of my life. And wow. It's my community. I grew up here. I love the town. So have you been involved as a first responder for most of your career? Yes. Um, I, you know, right out of high school, I started working on the golf course out here, golf course maintenance. Shortly after that, I, I started here as a firefighter in uh, 1994 as a volunteer, and I've worked here full time since 96, so 25 years with this department. 
That's amazing. That, uh, by the way, I'm a former paramedic. I went to the University of Alabama in Birmingham, was in pre-med for a while, and uh, had a dream of becoming an emergency room physician. And uh, for, for a lot of reasons, I decided to change my career and uh, ended up going to get my MBA and the rest is history. But but I have a deep affection for first responders in the community and the role that you play. As you can imagine, working as, a, as an advanced paramedic, which I became, um, I got to see a lot of what you see on a daily basis. And I know what I know what that involves. And in your case, you've seen a lot of change over these years, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. I think when we moved here in 1980, there were about 900 residents. You know, we were operating under the Purcell Corporation. And then um, I guess it was somewhere around 1985 when the, the POA was created. We started getting community involvement in, in how things were run. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. I think we're close to 9,000 residents right now. It's it's amazing how much it's grown over the years. And we're really trying to stay focused on the service to the community. That's, that's what the fire district's 100% interested in, is making sure that the city gets the, the best service they can get. So, you know, you think about first responders, as particularly as it relates to fire, you think about insurance ratings, you think about training, you think about, you know, you think about infrastructure, too, a lot, I bet. Um, you th- th- where is the fire district today? Describe sort of the situation that you manage today. So today we, we have three shifts of five firefighters on each shift. We have an administrative staff of four of us in, th- in total. Um, we're a town class five fire rating, which is the same as Bay St. Louis and Waveland. I think we might be the only fire district in the state that's a town class five. I'm not 100%, but it, I know we're one of the few, if, if not the only. Um, we, we really, we, we're at, we have two stations now. Um, we, we've grown a lot from when I started 25 years ago with uh, one station and two people on per shift. And we're, we're continuing to focus on, on the growth of the community. Um, we've added additional personnel on nights and weekends, and we're, we're planning on, on adding a, a six person per shift starting in October. So we are planning for growth. We have been, and uh, we wanna make sure that continues as we go yeah. forward. So you guys, um, so you, you've worked really hard to build this this excellent fire team. Um, do you have EMTs on your staff as well? We do, and uh, and probably a, a larger percentage than, than other comparable cities. Um, I think we're somewhere around 80% of our staff are EMTs. And, and obviously in, in a community like this, majority of our calls are medical in nature. So it, it is important. You know, it, it's not something that's required by the state but we really feel that's what our city needs. So that's, that's something we provide. It's, a, it's an incredible service when you think about, um, you know, you don't have your own hospital, so you have to you have to transport to other places. And the fact you have, you have EMT trained first responders is a real benefit to the community. And I think about um, how it must have been for you to manage during the pandemic. And, um, I, you know, from the moment we've, we've talked about many times on the show, from the moment early on when uh, contracting COVID was nearly a death sentence to us really understanding what it is all about and how to manage within it, it becomes part of your standard operating procedure after a while but as you look back what do you what do you think about the most as it relates to operating in the pandemic staffing 
you know, um, we, we started early on to try and minimize the, the exposure on COVID by the first thing we did is we've changed our personnel from working a, a 24 hour shift and 48 hours off. We switched them to working 48 hours on and 96 off just to slow the rotation of people to, to minimize the exposure. Um, we, we had to cut out some of the um, less or, or more mundane medical calls that we would typically go on before. So if, if somebody called with an upset stomach or stubbed toe, we, we would tend to pass on those and um, just trying to limit exposure as much as possible. But even with that, you know, people being people, they, they found ways to get exposed. So we would have the opportunity to uh, in, employ some of our, our part-time people to fill in. And that's, that's something we do. We, we do maintain five people all the time. So if someone takes off, if somebody's sick, if somebody has COVID and they're out quarantined, we do have a, a good roster of part-time trained personnel to come in and backfill. And, but that was, that was the challenge. Keeping, keeping staffing levels up during that was definitely a challenge. It's uh, it's amazing. Over a year has passed, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. You're not the same, you know, Chief Mike Munger that you were going into the pandemic. Uh, you have, you know, again, we we've been tested in coastal Mississippi as you've as you've seen so many times during your life, with uh, so many challenges that have reminded us why we're so resilient. But I bet you look back at your team now and think how lucky you are to have them and how much more resilient you are than you were a year ago. Absolutely. Um, and, and we have some great personnel. I'm, I'm very thankful for the people we have. You know, I, I consider myself blessed. So yeah. Yeah, you're, you're 100% correct. We have seen the best out of people in the last year. And John, same, same with you. I mean, how many employees are part of the uh, Diamond Head Water and Sewage District? We, uh, we run pretty lean, believe it or not. We've got 22 employees, uh, and, and uh, we are one of the longest tenured staffs of any district our size throughout the state. We have a great deal of long-term uh, employees. Our general manager has been with the district for over 16 years and has over 20 years experience in the industry prior to that. And he has had uh, uh, the last three years as our GM, and we, we are very lucky to have him. Well, that's, uh, that's terrific. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with John Kirschenbaum, who's the chairman of the Board of Commissioners of the Diamond Head Water and Sewer District, and then Chief Mike Munger, who is with the Diamond Head Fire District. And we're talking about the non-binding referendum on the two of them on the ballot today. We'll come back and we'll continue the conversation after this. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. One of the one of the benefits of Coast View is you get this opportunity 
to get educated on what's happening around the community. I love talking to first responders, people who are involved in utilities and all across the coast because within each of those within each of those organizations you're always going to find incredible stories, especially coming out of the pandemic, especially here in coastal Mississippi with all the challenges we've had over many years, not the least of which obviously is Hurricane Katrina. Um, today though, within the context of a conversation of, about a non-binding referendum, which is you know much debated in Diamond Head, I wanted to sort of take it beyond that re those referendums and hear a little bit more about what's happening inside the Diamond Head Water and Sewage District. I wanted to understand how they operate, what are their challenges, you know, where are they going in the future. Same thing for the for, for the Diamond Head Fire District. I wanted to understand that better. So while you're going to learn something about the referendum that's out there, I wanted you to to leave you with some lasting impressions about what it takes to run a community like Diamond Head. So uh, we get to kill two birds with one stone, or in this case, maybe three birds with one stone. So um, let's come back to John for a second. John, when we went to break, Chief, Chief Munger and I were talking about the challenges of operating in the pandemic and all of that. And you were mentioning, actually, that you have been able to keep the core of your employment together. You have a longstanding general manager and the core of your employees has been there for many years, like longest tenured in the state, I think you said. That is actually a real benefit to an organization like yours. And as you well know, a lot of people coming out of the pandemic can't save that. They, they've had a lot of turnover, a lot of difficulty finding employees and whatever. So why don't you talk about what, how you've been able to keep your team intact and also what has it been like to operate a water and sewage district during the pandemic yes sir um we're we really were blessed to be able to keep our core group together through the pandemic um as mentioned earlier critical services uh like like water and sewer have to continue to work regardless of a pandemic or not People still want to turn their water on and get clean, safe drinking water out of that tap. They still want to be able to hit that button and watch the gray water go away. Um, so we have to perform. We had to continue to operate. We had to do our testing and we had to keep doing the things we have to do every day to, to stay in line with the EPA, the DEQ, DMR. I mean, we're one of the most watched uh, entities in, in uh, any governmental entity. Um, so, so to keep those guys going, and, and we are blessed to have, like I say, long, long-term employees, over, over 12 years, the majority of them, and, and some uh, more than that. So, so yeah, we, we have a great team. Uh, they, the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. They, they do their jobs well. They work safely because they're long-term. They know how and what. And we're very technically uh, certified. We have seven certified water operators in our district that's uh that's that's a lot and we take we we take it seriously uh we really want to keep those guys educated continually updated their certificates um and and once again we're just blessed to have a great staff so what motivates you as chairman of the board of commissioners to do what you do and to have as much passion for what you do um I felt it was a, a way for me to give back to my community. I mean, obviously, we're not in it for the money. Uh, the the commissioners get a whopping eighty four dollars a month for this uh, for this uh, opportunity. Um, but but when I got involved, I, I thought I could bring a skill set. Uh, I've got over a thirty year career of of executing engineering and construction management. 
Um, and, and they had some challenges in front of them with the capital improvement plan. So I thought I brought a skill set to the table that I could uh, that I could help my community in, in, in highlighting these jobs that have to be done, uh, implement, implementing them and, and getting them engineered and executed. And, and uh, I, I've been lucky to meet some great people and serve with some other great commissioners in this community. So if you look across the board of commissioners that's there today, is there is there you are you guys in unison and what you would like the future to be as it relates to the uh, water and sewer district or are there are there different voices as it relates to that? Absolutely not. We are one hundred percent in unison as a board, uh, and we have some great board members. Uh, uh, Commissioner Ben Taylor uh, brings a, a great deal of business savvy to the to the table. Uh, Commissioner Bone is a is a person that comes from a nuclear background and, and uh, project implementation as well, uh, my engineering and design skill set. And then we've just recently added uh, Commissioner Brian Griffith, who is a uh, 33 years with the EPA. If he, He's forgotten more than anybody I know will know about water and sewer districts, and he has been an absolute treasure and a, and a true gem to be added to our, our board. So, okay, so let's 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 talk about the referendum in general for a second. So, as you pointed out, this whole this whole referendum process came about and was a big surprise to you. If if it had in, included you guys and you had developed a vision together, is it something you, you would be cons that you would consider, or are you just first of all you don't you're opposed to the process the way that this all came about that's clear. But also, even if you had been included, you don't see the benefits of of changing the public entity that you are today and doing consolidation with the city. Kind of tell me where you stand on that. Um, happy to. Well, obviously, we're, we're running a vote no uh, education. We're trying to get the public to understand that they need to vote no. We are in no way, shape, or form opposed to going and talking to the city about the possibility of consolidation. I think if you got the right players at the table and you had uh, a committee created that had some people from the water and sewer district, some people from the fire department, some city officials, and even brought in some outside experts to, to look at this and decide if it is even the right thing to do, then then good things could come out for this community. But to just haphazardly throw it on a ballot without any of those things being done is absolutely not good. Uh, it was bad information uh, that was that was thrown out by the city in a in a financial report that was done paid for by the city, by the city CPA, with with antiquated data that led to, to bad assumptions and therefore bad recommendations. Um, they tout some cost savings, but uh, we've done a number of educational series and town halls, and I think we've debunked the fact that there's any savings at all. There's absolutely no savings to be had, and, and you, you're putting at risk services that, that are critical and we can't have our long-term employees evaporating on us because of bad information and bad decisions being made. That's a strong case for sure. Um, it just seems that having some kind of strategic vision that you would be together on would be a good place to start. It's, it seems a referendum 
without those conversations makes you wonder why that's happening in that in that way. But um, so, Mike, coming coming over to you, if you if you think about sort of how this is all unfolded, what's what's your what's your overall position, and what what are you thinking about? Well, I, I think you can certainly see a, a possible vision in the future where services are consolidated. I'm, I'm not totally opposed to that. The, the problem is is now the process was done completely wrong. Um, this is, as John has said, this, this is critical services that can't be interrupted. So that means you need a good plan in place before you bring it to the voters. Now, I, I definitely think we, we've all seen where politicians can have bad influence on services. So I, I think if, if you're looking long-term in how things get consolidated, you need a, a good plan that, that gives some separation or, or gives safeguards to the community that you won't have political interference in something as critical as clean water and fire and, and, and life safety interests. So I'm not sure exactly how that looks, but you probably remember we've seen Gulfport closing fire stations because they had budget problems. We saw Waveland having to lay off firefighters for a period of time because they were having budget problems. And I don't want to see that type of problem in the future in Diamond Head. So right now, the residents, every penny they pay for fire protection goes to fire protection. And, and we can assure that happens. If it is moved over to the city without some sort of safeguards put in place, I, I don't think you can assure the citizens are going to have that in the future. Yeah, that's a, that seems like a, a reasonable point of view. Um, so, John, what are you hearing in the community about this? Uh, that, it, that it was handled badly. <clears throat> it reflects poorly on our community that, that the, the city voted on that Friday afternoon at three o'clock with little or no notice to the to the public and absolutely no notice to the two entities involved. It, it just reflects badly on our community that, that they went to the nuclear option before they did some research and had their ducks in a row. We'll, uh, we'll go to break now. We'll, we'll come back for the final segment of Coast View and continue our conversation with Chairman John Kirschenbaum, who's with the Board of Commissioners for the Diamond Head Water and Sewer District, and Chief Mike Munger with the Diamond Head Fire District. We'll see you after this break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with John Kirschenbaum, who's the chairman of the Board of Commissioners for the Diamond Head Water and Sewage District, and Chief Mike Munger from the Diamond Head Fire District. And we're talking about the referendums that are part of the uh, uh, general election today. And as I've said already, uh, but I'll say it again, if this were a candidate, we would not be having this conversation on election day. They actually came to us more than a couple of weeks ago. This was the first uh, time segment we could get at the fall on election day. And I should also point out that the mayor nor the general manager um, has uh, reached back out to us to to um, to be on the show. So certainly if they had you know, come to us, we were certainly opened up an opportunity for them to to join us today. Um, so let's uh, so, John, I, I, what I'm curious about is where did this come from? Because you say it came from left field. What what's what's behind this? What how how did this happen? Well, once again, we can't say for sure why or how this happened, but but the driving force behind it seems to be our mayor, and our mayor is is really pushed this really hard, um, and she has some history with the water and sewer district. She was the uh, acting interim general manager for over two and a half years, and during her tenure. Uh, the infrastructure issues that we're dealing with right now were, were ignored. Um, it's not that they didn't do anything because they were in Katrina recovery and, and built a wastewater treatment facility and had a lot of things going on, but they didn't handle the infrastructure issues. And then one key was during her tenure, she actually lowered uh, water and sewer rates during the middle of an election when she was running for her ward one seat. That was unheard of and should have never happened. That's that's how politics get involved. And and so when she lowered that rate, that cost the district over six and a half million dollars in revenue over the last few years. And, and it's just something that you, you, you can't ignore when you're asked why. Mm-hmm. Um, so your bottom line is when you when you write your commentaries about this are to do what? But the only thing that is right for the future of Diamond Head is to vote no on consolidation today. Um, history has showed us that politics do not belong in these critical services. And, and having to compete with other things, dog parks, city hall remodels, versus pipe that's underground that nobody can see. You know, it, it's fun to be able to point at something and say, I did that. And that's great. But you can't ignore what you can't see. And that's what's happened over the history of the water and sewer district. And we can't allow it to continue. So we have to finish what we've started. And the only way we can do that is to get the no vote out there today. Yeah, you, uh, Chief Munger, you mentioned this a minute ago, but um, you, you, you like the fact that every, every dime spent on fire district stays in the fire district, and it concerns you about the melding of the budgets, et cetera. What else bothers you about the possibilities going forward? Well, the, the big issue for the, the, the firefighters is the public employee retirement system, the state retirement. When the city incorporated, they chose not to participate in that system. So a lot of the driving force of this referendum on the fire side is that the city's claiming savings. And that savings, most of that savings is seen through removing that benefit from the firefighters. And you just can't compete with pay and benefits and, and recruit and rate, retain personnel if, if you don't have that benefit. 
So it would be a huge disservice to the city to remove that. And yeah, maybe at some point in the future, when the when the city grows and and has the right plan in place, maybe it makes sense. But as John said, for for right now, we absolutely need to vote now. So, John, let me ask you a question. Let's say that the citizens vote for consolidation. Is it a fait accompli then, or is it still something that could not happen? Well, that's that's the true problem here is the city has no logistical plan of ex- execution on this. They don't have a timeline defined. They don't know how they're going to do it. They have no plan in place. So, so, so for people to vote yes, it, it, it would be – Misleading, it, it would be wrong. Uh, it, it, it with no plan in place to execute, you can't let them have the 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 mandate that they're trying to carry and say, "Oh, the the people have spoken. You have to do what we're telling you to do." This is this is important, and we can't ignore it. We've got to get people out and vote today. My closing argument from you. Well, I I, I think we've all seen. Where, where politicians can make a mess of things. Um, I, I certainly want the citizens to have their voice, but there, there's a way to do it, and I don't think this is a, the right way. So um, people are going out to vote today as we speak, and they'll, they'll face these non-binding referendums on their ballot. They have until 7 o'clock tonight to uh, vote. And um, listen, John Kirschenbaum, and uh, Mike Munger, thank you very much for coming in and joining me. And thank you for el- enabling me to kind of stir the conversation somewhat away from the referendum temporarily so people could get a greater appreciation for what you do, your passion for your work, and how you view the future. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. I wish we could have done this a week ago, <laughs> but unfortunately, the, the calendar did not enable it. I gave you the first full slot. happened to be on Election Day. Sorry about that, but at least you got a chance to make your argument. So anyway, have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.